Well, we are in Ephesians. Turn to Ephesians. And uh, we are looking at uh, verses 7 through 10 this morning. But uh, I want us to, I want to read uh, verses 3 through 14 um, this morning as uh, we continue to look at the blessings that are ours in Christ. You know, as Paul writes these words, you would never know that he's sitting in a Roman prison cell. I mean, he's just overwhelmed with the spiritual blessings that we have in Christ. And he's writing to encourage this church at Ephesus, whom the culture is getting the best of at this moment. I mean, the culture has been uh, fighting the church has been fighting the culture. The church has been or felt the 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 pressure of the culture. They've uh, felt the pressure of false teachers, even within the church, even with some of of the elders of the church. Paul understands this. Uh, Paul understands the oppression that they they find themselves in, and so he's writing to encourage the the church at Ephesus, all at the same time that he is sitting in a prison cell. I mean, he he understands the identity that we have in Christ, and he wants to pass this on to the Christians of Ephesus. And so let's read verses 3 through 14 this morning as we begin. Paul says this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, meaning in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who were first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory, in whom you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory." Now, if we were to read this in the Greek, it would be all one sentence. <laughs> Paul doesn't take a breath here, okay? And Paul is just 
full of praise for all that God has done for us as children of God. And all these blessings um, flow from him. All these blessings originated with the Father. And as we look at this verse, all our praise is to be directed to the Father. And as we come together and praise uh, his glorious name, you know, it's important that we praise him in truth. I mean, truth is imperative to our doxology, to our praise of God. We need to know what God has done for us. And the deeper that we get into God's word and understand these things, the richer our praise is going to be unto him. It begins with truth. Yes, we are to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, both in spirit and in truth. Little s with our emotions and capital T in truth of all that God has done for us. And so Paul is full of praise sitting in a Roman prison. Now, as we look at uh, at this um, this sentence of praise, we see a time progression to begin with. We see what God the Father has done in eternity past in choosing us, uh, positionally saying that we are holy and blameless before him. And then he adopted us as his his son. There is a a relationship that we have with God, with, with him. We are his children. He has taken us home to be with him. And God has done this before time ever began. So there is before time. And what we're looking at today in verses 7 through 10 is the present in what Christ has done for us in redeeming us. And then next week, we're going to look at the future, what we have to look forward to, and the fact that uh, all these promises are made available to, to us, and we have been guaranteed this, these promises through the Holy Spirit, whom we have been sealed with. And so these are all our spiritual blessings. They're not temporal They're heavenly. They're eternal. And these are things that uh, we need to be aware of. And and these blessings are Trinitarian. We have blessings from the Father. He has chosen us. We have blessings from the Son. He has redeemed us. And we have blessings from the Holy Spirit who has sealed us with these spiritual blessings. And so... This is our ble- these are our blessings in Christ. And so verse 7, we want to focus on verses 7 through 10 this morning in what Christ uh, has done for us. He, we have been redeemed by the Son. So verse 7, the Bible says, In Him, meaning in Christ, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of 
of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Paul says we've been redeemed. I'm not sure there's a, a sweeter word in all the Bible. We have been redeemed. And this isn't just a New Testament word, but this is a word that we find in the Old Testament as as well. If you have your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 8, God is speaking to the the, uh, children of Israel. And verse 8, it says, It is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath that he swore to him, to your fathers, that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. God redeemed the children of Israel. Now, when we see this word redeemed or redemption, it has, um, it has Three different meanings. Two of the meanings are very similar in nature, and then the third meaning is altogether different. But they all apply to this word redeemed that we see in uh, verse 7. The first word for um, redeemed is the word agarazo, the Greek word agarazo, and it means to buy in a marketplace. Okay, so you're in a market or you go to the grocery store and you think, see there things that you need to buy. You need to redeem those things with some money, with some cash. But when it comes to our redemption in Christ, we weren't purchased with money. We were, were purchased with the precious blood of God's Son, Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 says, The Son of Man came to be served, came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. That's how you and I have been redeemed. Christ gave his life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish, or spot. The precious blood of Christ. Christ gave his all. His blood was shed for our redemption. You know, if you were to ask Jesus, his mother, uh, how important or to describe her son's blood that was shed for us, she would say that that blood is precious. That was the blood of her son. But not only was it the blood of her son, but it became the blood of her Savior as well. 
That blood is precious. God the Father says his son's blood is precious. It is costly. It it required everything, everything of Christ for our lives to be redeemed. And so we've been redeemed um, in the marketplace. That's the word agarazo, with the precious, costly blood of Christ. But not only um, redemption means um, buy in a marketplace, but uh, redeem also means out of the marketplace. And that Greek word is ex argarazo. And when you think of the word redemption and being redeemed out of the marketplace, that means it is a purchase that is never to return again. It can't be resold. You know, it's different than if you were a slave and you were purchased um, in the market and out of the market. If you were to go home with that slave owner and that slave owner were to um, grow tired of you, he could take you back to the market and and be resold again. That's not what happens with our redemption. Not only did Christ buy us in the market, but he bought us out. He brought us out of the marketplace. I uh, brought a, a little Christmas tree that Macy made at her school as, as a fundraiser. She made this at school. She created this. And then they had a little store, Christmas store set up at her school where all the parents, you know, came and uh, uh, looked at what was what was being sold. And, and parents or Macy had an opportunity to buy this Christmas tree. And this Christmas tree was going to help raise money for the school. That's kind of like what Christ has done for us. God has done for us. You know, he's made us. And then we were separated by sin and death. We, we were separated in our relationship with him because of sin. And then Christ came along and he redeemed us. He paid for us with his, his precious blood. He he bought us. He he created us, and then he bought us. He redeemed us. And that's what what Paul is saying. That's what Christ has done for us. And so he's, he's bought us. He's redeemed us out of the marketplace, never to return again. And then there's a third Greek word that describes redemption, and it's different from the the first two words I mentioned. It's the Greek word luo, and it means to loose or set free. And that's what Christ has done for us. 
We are no longer under bondage to sin and death. Christ has forgotten, Christ has paid for our sin through his death. And so that leads me to the rest of verse 7 this morning. What has he done in, in our redemption? We have been redeemed through his blood, verse 7, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Through his blood, you and I have forgiveness. And we're not just talking about a little bit of forgiveness. We have complete and full forgiveness in Christ. Christ has forgiven us of our past, our present, and our future sins. Positionally, in the presence of God the Father, He has made us holy and blameless, the Bible says. And Christ's blood has forgiven us of all our sin. You know what? The Old Testament covenant couldn't do that. The Old Testament covenant could not do that permanently. It was only temporary. And there had to be repeated sacrifices for one sin annually. But not so with the blood of Jesus. Look at Acts chapter 13. Turn to Acts chapter 13 and let me read verses 38 and 39. Acts 13, beginning with verse 38. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man's forgiveness of sins, that 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 through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. The law of Moses was incomplete. You were always reminded of your sin. And there had to be repeated sacrifices for those sins. And all those sacrifices were a foreshadow of the perfect that was to come in in Christ Jesus, in the new covenant. But, But for Christ, he has paid it all. Turn to Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, towards the end of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 7, it's on page 1211 of my Bible. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 through 20. Here's this Old Testament prophet uh, foretelling what what God was going to do uh, with our future sin. Verse 18. Who is God like you? Who is a God like you? Pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us 
and he will tread our iniquities underfoot, and you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from days of old. Micah saw what God was going to do through the coming Messiah, through the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says, Now there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. One of the blessings that we have from God the Father is that our sin has been forgiven. He has forgiven our trespasses. And he goes on to say in verse 7 of Ephesians 1, according to the riches of his grace. Church, God's grace far exceeds our sinfulness. He has lavished his grace upon us according to the riches of his grace. Romans chapter 5 verse 20 says, Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Aren't you grateful that God has forgiven you of all your sin? You know, we could get up here and we could, we could talk about um, the sin that we've committed in our lives. And God would be in the audience and he would say, I don't remember that. I don't remember that. You're kidding. I don't remember that. That's his grace. It has covered it all. Do you believe that? I want you to know the enemy doesn't want you to believe that. We have an accuser who wants you to believe that his sin doesn't forgive you. And you need to, if you're a child of God, if you've surrendered to to, to Jesus Christ, if Jesus is Lord, my friend, all your sin has been forgiven. And we need to fill our hearts and mind with what the truth of the word of God says. Verse 7, which he lavished upon us. He wasn't frugal. He hasn't held back all those heavenly places, all those spiritual blessings that have been bestowed upon his son, Jesus Christ, has now been given to you. You are adopted. He has predestined you unto adoption. This is what God the Father has done for his children. We need to know, church, Christian, 
what our identity is in Christ. Paul tells us very clearly in this passage of Scripture, through Christ's blood, we have been forgiven. And then he goes on to say in verse 8, which he has lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. When we come into relationship with God and we read and believe and understand what the Word of God says, God gives us wisdom and insight. You know, if we just if we just look at the at this world not through the lens of what God says, but if we just look at the through the lens of the flesh, we can't make heads or tails as to what's happening around this day. We live in a world of utter chaos. And we can go it, it it's really easy to grow despondent and depressed and just be consumed by the storm and the waves around us. And that's the perspective that people have who do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But in Christ, the Bible says God has lavished us with all wisdom and insight and understanding. You know, 1 John verse 5, verse chapter 5 verse 19 says the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And as Christians, we know this. But we also know as Christians is greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And God is sovereign. God is over it all. And we don't have to grow despondent and hopeless. We know that God's plan is being carried out. You know, I've started walking again. Okay? And uh, my, my, my doctor who, who has been stretching my esophagus and had removed the cancer. Uh, my uh, appointment before last, back in Ju- in June, said, "Okay, Bill, I've done my part. Now you got to do yours." <laughs> and I got that message. Okay, I needed to uh, start eating better, and I needed to start moving more. And so since July. Uh, I've been doing those things. I'm feeling a whole lot better. But uh, this last Thursday, I was walking, and uh, right now I, I'm in a um, a challenge with my two daughters. It's um, it's 100 miles in the month of November. Walking 100 miles in the month of November. That is, that's a serious cha- challenge, okay? That's over three miles a day. And if you skip a day, you, you got some miles to make up. 
And, uh, and so I've been trying to be very consistent here. I've, uh, I'm at mile 69 and a half right now. And the half is really important, okay? <laughs> but uh, Thursday morning, I was walking at 4.30 a.m. Yes, 4.30 a.m. Around my neighborhood, and uh, I was going down Las Flores. And uh, the, they had the power out. I'm, the, I'm sure the Fowlers, maybe your power is out that night. It was between 10 o'clock and 6 a.m. And, um, but the power was out. And it was just, there was just complete darkness. I knew, now you had this, you had the street lights kind of spilling over from elsewhere, but walking into that darkness and walking through that darkness, boy, that was, that was kind of creepy. But I'm thankful that I had my phone. And I had a flashlight on my phone. And you know what I did? I turned on that flashlight. And that flashlight helped me to see all the places where I could have, you know, tripped and fallen. You know, it gave me some security. I, I had a better sense of my surroundings. And it just gave me some, some wisdom, some understanding. Church, that's... That's the blessing that God has poured out through his grace into our lives, through the redemption of Christ. We have wisdom and understanding as we navigate ourselves through this world. We don't have to be fearful. We don't have to grow despondent and be worried and wonder what's going to happen. When everything is falling apart around us, you know what? Everything is falling into place according to God's plan for our life and for this world. The Bible says that God planned all this out before time ever began. We can trust the Father's plans. He, and he has given us wisdom and insight. Look at Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 11, verses 25 through 28. Jesus says this, Verse 25, at that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal. Come to me, all who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. 
For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. That's what God will do when we choose to believe his promises, when we choose to believe in his son, Jesus Christ. And then in verses 9 and 10, we see one more blessing through our redemption. Um, verse, verse 9 says this, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. He's shown us the mystery. He's going to show us the the mystery. He's going to unveil this mystery to us through the book of Ephesians. But this first mystery that I want us to see here this morning, and we'll look at others later, is that he, that first mystery is that he's brought the Gentiles into the eternal plan of salvation. Look at chapter 3, verse 6 of Ephesians. Very quickly. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So this gospel isn't just for the Jews, but it is for the Gentiles as well. And Paul is revealing this mystery to the church of Ephesus. And then, and then in verse 10, we see that, that the fulfillment of God's plan is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Church, our entire blessedness, our victory, our happiness, our hope is completely bound up in the person of Christ. This Christ is our everything. And if you try to drink from any other fountain, thinking that it's going to quench your thirst, your spiritual thirst, that is utter foolishness. Christ is our everything. He has redeemed us. He has forgiven us. He has lavishly poured out his grace in all wisdom and understanding. And he has revealed to us one of the mysteries that Gentiles are grafted in to this blessed relationship with the God the Father. So, knowing these things, how's it going to give us direction for tomorrow? When you wake up on Monday morning, you know, what's this passage going to do for it? Do for us? 
Number one, history is going somewhere. Okay? It's not meaningless. Everything that's happening in this life has a purpose. God has a plan. Now, that doesn't mean that we approve of all that's taking place in the world. You know, when we see things are wrong, God wants us to speak out. God wants us to speak out on on injustice and on sin. God wants us to help make this a better world for those around us and, and for our families. God wants us to have a voice. But we don't need to despair in all that we see taking place. God is not perplexed. History is going somewhere. And so when you hear someone say, what is this world coming to? When it seems to be falling apart, it's all going to be summed up in the person of Christ. Paul says this, in the fullness of time, he's going to unite all things in Christ, things in heaven and things on the earth. Christ is going to right every wrong. It's all going to fall underneath his feet. Something good is going to come out of the chaos that we see all around us. Now, church, you're not going to hear those words on Fox News or on CNN or read them in tomorrow's newspaper. No, they are in the word of God. God has it all under control. And history is moving to Christ where all things are going to be summed up in Christ. Church, that gives us hope. We don't have to live in gloom and doom. You know, I saw the election just as you did. And it was easy for me to get depressed about it, but I had to be reminded of the fact that it doesn't matter who's in office, who's in Congress, who's in the, in Sacramento. You know what? That's not where our salvation lies. Our salvation is in Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He is our Redeemer. And He's going to fix everything that we've broke in the fullness of time. And we as children need to maintain the faith. So, number one, history's going somewhere. Number two, Jesus is the King Eternal. And so my question to you is, have you been redeemed by Jesus? If Jesus is not your Redeemer, then you are going to absorb the wrath of God. The Bible says you are under the wrath of God, even as I speak. But if you believe that Jesus is your Redeemer, 
Jesus died for your sin. You know what? Jesus took his father's wrath upon himself. He took what you deserved and replaced God's wrath with his righteousness. God sees you, says you are holy and blameless before him. Is Jesus your king eternal? If not, make that decision today. And then number three, don't despair. Let's leave here hopeful, full of hope and praise for all that God has done for us. Paul mentions all these blessings and it's as as you read through this this one sentence in the Greek, there's just a, a crescendo of praise that builds and builds. He's done this to all to the glory and praise of who he is. Christ is our redeemer. We've been purchased with his precious blood. We've been chosen by God. We've been predestined as adopted children. We are holy and blameless in the eyes of God in Christ. We have been forgiven of all our sin. And by his grace that has lavishly been poured out on us, we've been given wisdom and knowledge to discern truth from error in this world. We don't have to be afraid. We can understand what the hand of God is doing, why things are the way they are today. And we know the end of the story. Everything is going to be summed up in Christ. Church, that's our blessing. Paul was sitting in a Roman prison, not despondent, not depressed, but full of hope. And this hope is ours. We just need to know it. Let's pray. Father, we are amazingly blessed this morning. I'm I'm grateful for the month of of Thanksgiving. I'm grateful for all the, the temporal blessings, God, that you've poured out on us abundantly here uh, in this nation of ours, in this country. God, we are so blessed materialistically. But that material blessing can become such a distraction. And Lord, we can be so focused on that that uh, we, we neglect we ignore, we, we forget 
the heavenly blessings, the eternal blessings that are ours in Christ. And so, Father, in this service this morning and during this month, may we give you praise for all the invisible things that we've been abundantly blessed with through your Son, Jesus Christ. May this give us greater joy, greater peace, greater praise for who you are and what you've done and what we have to look forward to. God, it's all about you. And all our praise this morning is to be directed to you. And so we thank you for this time of worship as we conclude this service this morning. Lord, if there's one here where Jesus, you aren't their redeemer, may today be the day of their salvation. God, you love them. And you showed your love to them by dying in their place. God, may they seek you for the forgiveness and the deliverance from sin. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.